Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 100. Yes, 100, we are in triple digits. That was originally recorded on January 27th of 2016. Some of the games I played for the week, I played a little Pathfinder Adventure card game, Wrath of the Righteous Organized Play. We got in a play of Mule, the board game, a little Rialto, some more Witcher 3, maybe a little more Witcher 3 than some of the others. And then I also discussed a few of the games I want to play. Thanks for joining me for episode 100, and I hope you enjoy it. Good evening, gamers, and welcome to the games. This is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and thank you for joining me for episode 100 of the podcast. Yes, we finally reached triple digits and I'm very excited for that. I did have a few things planned to actually bring a little change to episode 100, but with everything that's been going on personally, uh, my mother-in-law has been in and out of the hospital for the past month, and I've been spending a lot of time with my wife, supporting her with that. So it's that has pretty much eaten up a lot of game time, and I had to skip last week's podcast because I just wasn't able to record one. So I was kind of hoping that my wife could have been here to actually join me, when I started the podcast, one of the things we had joked around about doing was actually doing a podcast with the two of us, but she's actually been taking care of her mom for quite a while now. She just doesn't have the time to actually sit down and record anything at all. We've been having trouble actually finding time to actually just play some games with just the two of us. That's been kind of hard to hard to find time for, so I'm kind of hoping maybe in the next several episodes I can actually maybe get her on and actually discuss some of the games that we've been playing what she thinks about some of the games that are possibly coming out in 2016, what she's maybe looking forward to, and, and some of her history into gaming, because probably in the past 15 years that we've been together, we've I've actually done quite a bit of gaming, both with and without her, and so she's, she's actually been a big part of my gaming life, and that was one of the reasons why I kind of wanted to maybe have her on for episode 100, but I was going to actually term this one episode 99.5 but i'm not too sure when she actually will be available to record anything so i didn't want to have to do a 99.5.6.7 and try to keep going until she's actually available so hopefully soon we'll be able to get her on and and hear from her but hey as always send me some emails let me know what you're playing now you can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. Also, don't forget about our guild that's on Board Game Geek. Just search for what I'm playing now under the guilds and join the guild. I have a few posts out there where I'm talking about some of the games that I've been reading instructions for and games that I've actually played. So feel free to drop a line in there on some of the games we have there or post something new about what you've been playing. And I'm sure other people may want to discuss that. You can also follow me on Twitter at What I'm Playing Now. Like I always say, don't forget to drop that G on Facebook. Just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, of course, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash What I'm Playing Now. One of the things I've actually been thinking about streaming again I've been wanting to get back into a little Project Project Gorgon, which was one of the Kickstarters I backed a few months ago. I can still play that game and get into it, and I, I've updated it recently, but I haven't had a chance to sit down. I've kind of wanted to maybe just start a new character and get into that one a little bit more. Also, Shroud of the Avatar appears to be going into some of their final release events and phases before they're getting ready before the final wipe probably in the next three, four months is what it's looking like. So I may be playing a little bit more of Shroud of the Avatar as well. But that's jumping ahead to a part of the podcast I'm not at yet, so let's jump into what I'm playing now and see what I've played the past couple of weeks, since it has been a couple of weeks since I've recorded. 
Well, like I kind of mentioned at the top of the podcast, I haven't had a chance to do a heck of a lot of gaming, but I did get a few things in uh, before a lot of my time got eaten up. So one of the things I was able to do is get back together with my Pathfinder Adventure card game group. We were able to get through a couple of scenarios. We actually redid 1-3-B Sovereign of Sacrifice, which was very easy for the three of us that were in attendance that day. And it seems that my Pathfinder Adventure card game group this season is kind of dwindling quickly. It seems that people just aren't really too keen on Wrath of the Righteous. And in playing through some of the scenarios that we played through this past Sunday, um, I guess I'm a little underwhelmed as well. There just seems to be times where... And I think I've mentioned this in a previous podcast where the monsters just either seem too difficult to defeat or just too easy with with everything that you're given through, throughout all the different scenarios and, and buildup of the different games that you've played. Um, we also played 1-3-C, Queen of Demons. So that was a new one for us because we hadn't attempted that one before. So I think we're going to try to just, a small group of us is going to try to just knock out the rest of the season of Wrath of the Righteous. And several people have already commented they're really looking forward to the season of Righteous. Or I guess not the season of Righteous. The season of the Rune Lords, Rise of the Rune Lords, that will actually be coming out with scenarios for that. So hopefully... It actually hasn't been that bad of a winter. We haven't had to call any games due to snow or anything around here. Now watch me say that and watch it actually us get dumped on here in Northeast Ohio. We actually missed it this past week when the East Coast was getting slammed and we actually just had a little bit of cold here, just coldness here, and it wasn't real, real bad. But like I said, hopefully there's going to be a few of us that are just going to hang around and try to just finish up this season of The Righteous and knock it out. And then we'll see what happens from there. I'm not really too sure in Rise of the Rune Lords and playing through those scenarios what type of character I want to play. I know they're coming out with some new character decks. I'm playing the Paladin currently. I don't think I'm going to play another Paladin. I think I'm going to take a complete 180 and try to play something completely different. So I may try to play one of the newer characters that are released possibly right before Rise of the Rune Lords. I'm not even too sure which ones are actually coming out. I've actually kind of lost track as to which ones are being released at what time. So I'm just going to have to start researching that again and looking into it. But I'm sure I'll find a character I like and we'll try to just maybe pick things back up with a full group or two when it comes to Rise of the Rune Lord. So one of the other board games I played a couple of weeks ago when I was down at my friendly local game store is a little game called Mule the Board Game. I've actually mentioned this before. This has been on my what I want to play now list. And when I had first heard about this game last year, that's, it's odd that I can say last year considering we are in January of 2016, but I did hear about this game in 2015. And I believe there was quite a bit of talk about it at Essen and a couple of the other shows and um, conferences that were around last year that where people actually got to, I believe, purchase it and maybe even play it. But finally, it made it over here to the States. I was able to get a copy when it first came out and my local game store got it in for me. Everybody knows on the podcast here that I talk about both video games and board games. And so when I kind of saw Mule was coming out and being created as a board game, I mean, I, I can't lie. I was really excited to actually see this. Uh, Mule was one of the probably one of the best multiplayer games, I think, that I had probably played back on the Commodore 64, oh, way back in the day, maybe just a few years ago, we'll say. We won't actually say how many, but let's just say it's a couple. And back then... Back then when playing it, I kind of never really considered it a board game, but after playing the board game, I can definitely see some of the resemblances to, to one now. So once I got my copy of Mule, I, I sat down, I started reading through the book, and one of the first things I did was put all the stickers on the 
the mule on the Smith or car tokens so I can get all my mule stickers on there. And I have to say, after reading through the rules, I, I tried to read through the rules twice before I went down to my local game store and give it a gave, you know, and we gave it a shot. And I really liked what I was reading. And so I, I took the game with me down the last time and we got a four player game going. And I started out telling everybody we're playing with the basic rules. We're not going to incorporate the tournament rules. And a couple of the guys kind of like scoffed and laughed and said, you know, that they wanted to play the tournament rules. And I said, this is a learning game. I want to learn this game properly. And I want to stay within my teaching bounds since I was the only one who had even glanced and read the rules. Nobody else had really even seen or heard knew much about the game. So I said, we are playing the basic game this time. This is a learning game, and I want to learn this right the first time. And, and I think we got it right. I was kind of hoping to get in a solo game before I went down to actually play with a group, but my gaming time has been kind of limited lately. So just getting to read through the rules a couple of times was kind of hard enough. So we sat down, I started going over the rules and basically explained the game. I went through each of the different rounds, and uh, let's, let's kind of do that now. I'm going to go through all of the different rounds and give a really good explanation, but let's actually figure out and mention first why the name Mule. Well, Mule stands for Multiple Use Labor Element, and these are basically kind of like your workers, I guess that you can say, which make up kind of the basis of this game. Uh, without them, your actions that you perform on your turn are going to be very limited, and the object of this game is to basically collect the largest largest amount of galactic dollars over the course of a various number of rounds. And I'm, I'm not going to go into the initial setup of the game, as the rulebook does a very good job of that. They go through a very detailed explanation of the setup. They give you a very nice picture layout of the board, your play of the game board itself, of your player board, and pretty much of everything around the board and where everything should be placed. They show you this for both the basic game as well as the tournament game that you can play, which the tournament game is kind of just a little bit of an advanced game where you're using a few more of the characters um, abilities that are on the different, the different character cards, as well as a few more additional rules that I will mention as I'm going through the basic rules here. So I'll, at first I'll say that the rules are, are pretty nicely written and that the examples that are given in the sidebars will definitely help with a lot of the explanations because they kind of show you through gameplay kind of how all the different mechanics are going to come together to basically complete a whole phase of the game. And there's pretty much eight basic different phases of a round for the game. So let's jump into the actual turn sequence of play and start by going through the different phases of these game of the game. So the first phase is the expansion phase, and this is just a very, very straightforward phase. You're going to basically draw tiles from the planet Errata, which is the main board of the game, and you're going to basically take a tile from there and place it on your player board. The trick to this phase, and pretty much in several other phases of the game, is that you complete these actions in reverse player order. So this is going to give an advantage to the player with the least amount of currency, which is basically the ranking track that is actually on the main board itself. On your turn, what you're going to do is you're going to take a tile from that main board. There are three different colors on the board, and you will take a tile and basically place it on your board in the appropriate matching color of the space it came from on your board. So you're going to go, let's say, red to red, uh, white to white, or possibly blue to blue. Now, at this part of the game, the orientation of that tile when you place it on your board is not going to matter. Don't even spend any time thinking about that for now. The way you put it on the board right now isn't going to matter until later on in the game until one of the later phases. So basically look at the tile. You're going to look for tiles that are producing goods that you want 
and hopefully there you have spots available to basically place that as as I said because you have basically have to match the color of the space it's coming from now there is one trick to this first turn of play you will actually get to complete this sequence of taking tiles twice so after everyone gets a tile you can start again with the lowest ranked player and select another tile it kind of just makes sure that you have enough goods that you're going to produce this first turn so that actually going into the later turns of the game you can actually keep yourself going and not stall your engine out now the one trick also is when selecting a tile do not look at what they refer to as the private side or the underside of the card you should be seeing the public side of the card which one of the goods is christite and it's kind of like a purple good and it will have question marks there so you shouldn't see the actual number of christite that is listed there and you want to make sure you don't cheat and don't look at that. So just basically pick up the tile and plop it out right on your board. So when you, if you want to see the under the side of the tile, though, that will come in a later round and there's actions and things that you can do to do that. So no peeking. So pretty much the only restrictions to placing the tiles are making sure to match the color. And if you're taking a river tile, it can only go into the two spaces, which are above and below the, the store, which is in the middle of your player board. And it's easy to see because they actually have kind of like a river going through those spots. If you're playing the tournament rules, you can also complete a land action by playing a land for sale card. An auction will start and it will start out at $8. It will increase by $2 for every player that wants to up the bid. Once everybody passes, the highest player who bid basically gets the land of the player who they basically get the land. The player who actually played the card gets to pick what actual tile on the board that everybody's going to be bidding for so it's basically just a big auction and it's just a bidding war and again that's only in the tournament rules when you're playing with those now the next phase is going to be the development phase i consider this kind of like the main meat and potatoes it's this is to me this is kind of like the main phase of the game because there are this is where you can do just so many different actions that can occur it's also the phase where you're going to be basically be purchasing a lot of things or a few things i guess i could say this phase in itself is built up into three action rounds which can be completed by each player now you don't have to participate in all three of these action rounds but it's probably best if you can and it's probably best if you do because during each of these action rounds you can perform one or two actions that cost one food one action that costs two food or you can pass which basically costs no food the actions you take are basically going to be the following. You can buy a mule in any of the various zones. You can refit a mule in any of the various zones. Refitting a mule on two adjacent lands is going to be another action. You can move a mule to any land. You can what they refer to as assay any two lands. And this is where you will actually get to look at the private side of the land and actually see how much Christite is being produced. When you do this, you can look not only on your player board, but on anybody else's player board or on the main board of Planet Errata itself. You can do what they call Hunt the Wumpus, which is basically flip over a lucky event card and see if the Wumpus is there, and it'll get you, actually get you 10 bucks. Or you can gamble at the pub, which gets you 5 bucks, and then end your turn basically for the phase. During this phase, when your mules are purchased from the store, they will instantly get replenished from the smith or stock. You basically just flip over a smith or and it turns into a mule. And that's pretty much all, all the different actions that you can take during there. There's a few more that are kind of broken out based on the different colors of the lands. And it basically is just different pricings and costs more food to play on different tiles. So the instructions go over that. But that's basically the general gist of what you can do during that phase. The third phase of the game is going to consist of calculating some usage and spoilage of your goods. So you're going to discard any food that you just use to perform actions from during that development phase. Those will basically just 
just go back into the bank. And you also have to pay energy equal to the number of mules producing any good other than energy. So if you have a mule producing energy, you do not have to pay an energy for them since they're basically producing energy. Now here's one thing to remember, if you can't afford to pay all of your mules, you must flip over a number of mules equal to the energy that you are short. And during the production phase of the game, which we will talk about here in a few minutes, those mules will not be able to produce any goods during this round. So something very, very important, food and energy are a main staple in this game. You want to make sure early on in the game, you start producing food and energy quite often and abundantly. So you can basically fund your mules and your action spending habits. During this phase, you're also going to have a little bit of spoilage of your goods. Spoilage happens and it is for each of the different goods. For food, you will lose one good food for every two food that you have. For energy, you're going to lose one energy for every four that you have. Also, there's going to be an overage spoilage. So if you have any good over 12, which is, I don't think anybody, there may have been one person that had one good over 12, maybe one round in our game. Um, you will need to discard any of those extras above 12 and go down to 12. And that last part applies to all goods. So it's energy, smithite, food, christite, anything that's over 12, you have to discard down to 12. So the fourth phase is the next phase, and that's the production phase. Here is where you're going to look at all of your different lands that are populated by mules, and you want to make sure you're looking at your mules that are face up. And remember, if you had to flip any of your mules over in that last phase, it doesn't produce anything during this production phase. So you're going to quickly learn how to juggle your food and energy, like I just mentioned, to keep everything to keep your production going. The first thing to do during the production phase is to draw a production card and you're going to apply the effects. Can be good, can be bad. There are different cards that are going to basically make up that production deck and each game it will be different. You can then collect the goods that were produced by all of your lands and if you're playing the tournament rules you can add the economies of scales which is basically going to produce an extra good per path between two adjacent lands which are producing the same good. So if you kind of look at the board you're going to see small roads connecting the lands which are which make calculating this really quick and easy. Now if the ship is back card is drawn during this phase, this will bring about the final round of the game, which basically ends during the next ranking phase, which is just going to be a couple phases away. After the production is the fifth phase, which is pricing. In the pricing phase, all the goods are going to be repriced on the amount of goods players have and goods that are in the store. Now the formulas for these are written in a nice summary on the player aid cards that are supplied to each player at the beginning of the game and in the instructions, so I'm not going to go over all the formulas. After a round or two of these calculations will be really easy and kind of like second nature. So basically go through your calculations, see what the prices are, and move the prices up or down accordingly in the store. The sixth phase of the game is going to be the market phase. Here is where players can either buy or, and that's, I want to you know, emphasize this, or sell goods to either the store or other players. And, and the rules are very precise about this. You can either be a buyer or a seller of a particular good, but not both. So basically we kind of perform this phase one good at a time and basically asked around the table who was buying, who was selling. And like many other phases in the game, if there's a question as to who gets to perform an action first, like buying items, like buying any sort of goods from the store, the player with the lowest ranking gets to go first. It seems that that's one of the things this game does try to stress is that the lowest player will normally be the one that kind of performs most of the actions first. There's a couple of phases where that doesn't happen, but in the game it also states that if there is any sort of question as far as who goes first and the rules don't specify it, the lowest ranking player will then get to decide. 
So again, giving the advantage to anybody lower on that ranking chart, that's one of the nice things I guess you could say about being last, but keep in mind that if you're in last, you don't have the most money, and the most money is what is going to win you this game. And it's these types of things that tries to keep the game kind of balanced and not any one person, you know, what let any one person run away with the game by having the most amount of money. But that can kind of still happen, though. All right. So our seventh phase of the game is the ranking phase. And this is basically where everybody's going to count their money and then shift all of their characters around appropriately on the ranking chart. And then, like I mentioned before, during that production phase, if the ship is back card was drawn during the production phase, the final ranking would basically be the winner. As during that last market phase, you would sell all of your goods at their final prices. And finally, we have the eighth phase of the game, and that's the personal events phase. This is a phase where a lucky event card is drawn by the highest ranking player. That player can then read it and then give it to any player at the table. Well, the lowest ranking player is going to get to draw the unlucky event card and give it to anybody at the table. Now, at no time, and the rules are very specific about this, can you keep a card that you drew so you always have to give the card away. And that is pretty much it for the rounds of the game and playing. There's also some optional rules you can also play with as well as rules that will actually make the board game play a little closer to the video game. But the basic rules I found to be a lot of fun. I haven't had a chance to try out any of these optional rules yet or anything. So hopefully once I get to this game to the table a couple more town times down at my local game store, I'll be able to talk about those. But the basic game I can say was really fun. The one thing we did notice was that the event cards, those lucky and unlucky event cards, seem to kind of be at either end of the spectrum. And what I mean by this, is they either really, really helped you or they really, really hurt you, which can be really rough during the early stages of the game. If somebody plays a card on you and you lose a mule or a land right off the bat, it's definitely going to slow down your building of lands and your production of goods. But the game does try to balance it with possibly giving you really good things as well. So it all depends on how the cards are drawn and who's going to give who a card. And that's pretty much all just up to the players who are playing. Several players in my group really would have liked to have seen the cards tamed down a little bit and be a little bit more kind of not so extreme to either end of the spectrum. But I, I really want to try this with the tournament rolls before I really actually pass any judgment and figure out if they are balanced or not. Overall, I will have to say I really enjoyed Mule. It's really brought back that nostalgia of the video game and everyone that played said that they wanted to play the game again. I was really stoked when I heard that because I thought a couple of people weren't really having a good time but uh, once we actually got finished and everybody counted up the money and we got to that final round everybody was like okay that actually was a good game. We didn't want to play it again immediately because it took us a little longer to play as I was looking up a lot of the rules while we were going through that first time and calculating some of the different money and some of the different um, in, the, in the different phases took a little bit longer as we learned those and got those down but once we got those down the final couple of rounds actually went much smoother much faster and everybody really started enjoying it and i think the game ended at the perfect time once we get back to the table once the game comes back to the table and we get those tournament rules played i have a feeling i'm going to enjoy it just that much more so if you haven't had a chance to play mule or you haven't even seen mule go to board game geek read about it definitely check it out there's a couple videos i know that are out on youtube a couple of people have done reviews of it and have talked about it give it a shot I definitely think this is a game that should be added to anybody's collection. And then after we were done with Mule, the other game, the second game that we played that evening down at my local game store was a little game called Rialto. I'm definitely not going to spend as much time talking about Rialto as I did about Mule. I don't own Rialto, so I am going off of memory from playing it the one time. It is a Stefan Feld game, and it's a game in which players are
you're basically using cards that they select at the beginning of the round and you're going to use those cards to bet on various actions and to be performed on the card on the cards each card that there's several different cards that are going to let you perform different kind of like actions i guess you could say the goal of the game is to acquire the most victory points and you're going to do this by populating various regions of the board with um your council members and you obtain and play everything with those cards that you get during that first phase of the game i guess you could say and the player who bids the most of a particular card as you're going around in kind of like order by playing these different cards you'll actually get a bonus of an additional one of one type of that card or one good of that card to be played that round you're also going to be playing and or obtaining buildings and building out your player board which is going to give you additional actions and other bonuses depending on the building that you have and how far along you've upgraded them i think the buildings go from one to four and during the game you're going to probably start off purchasing some of the lower ranked uh, buildings until you actually get some more money and then buying and upgrading those as the game goes along you're going to need to spend gold to activate a building normally so you want to make sure that that you have a good balance in your cards when you draw those during that initial beginning phase and then play them during the game to make sure you can afford some of these advantages and when you're going to need them most you can also build bridges or gondolas for some additional victory points and i'm going to give one tip that i learned fairly early in the game i placed a large number um, council members on one space so I could control it. I wanted to be like, yes, I own this. Here I go. And I slammed down and went to like 11 with my workers and the amount of council members I put down there was an insane amount of council members that was just a waste. And with this placement, it just hurt the rest of my game. At that point in time of the game, it was kind of like the second or third turn. I really did not fully understand what it what what was required to actually obtain more council members. And my mid game just completely fell apart and it just suffered. My suggestion would be do not do this ever unless if it's close to the end of the game and you really need to really show your might and play the council members and play as many council members as you can. Don't do what I did. I had a good amount of council members. I think I placed probably seven to eight down in the one square and everybody just kind of looked at me, was wondering what I was doing. And I said, yes, I own this. I'm going to get these points. And everybody was like, yeah, but you probably shouldn't have done that because that was a waste. So I definitely learned, I will say from that. And I, I really want to get Rialto to the table again. It's not a game I have in my collection yet, but after I play it maybe one or two more times, it's one that I may add because it was pretty fun. And I would actually like to play a full game of this with a much better understanding of how the game plays and some of the strategy that I learned during my first go through of this one. So Rialto, the Stefan Feld game, I'm sure everybody is familiar with this one. Check it out if you haven't. It's definitely a good one and one that I want to see get, get to the table again. All right, we're going to jump over to a video game. I really haven't done too much even with video games lately. I've been playing some Witcher 3 on and off. I will say since I switched over to the Xbox 360 controller combat and the game has definitely become much more fun for me. I'm really enjoying the Witcher 3. Like I said, like I've been talk talking to a couple of people at work, friends at work who do a lot of gaming. I don't think the Witcher 3 pulled me in as quickly as Fallout 4 did, but I have a feeling the Witcher 3 is going to have a longer sustained play time with me than possibly Fallout 4 did. We'll see if I end up putting in 120 some hours in or whatever I did with Fallout 4 with the Witcher 3, but I have a feeling so far 
that The Witcher 3 does have uh, some some good times ahead with me, and I, I really can't wait to get back into the game and and start and continue on with the storyline. I'm not going to go into any spoilers as to where I'm at with the game, as I will talk about those once I get much further along with the storyline and stuff, but I will say, I think my character hit level 7 or 8 the other day, which I think is still fairly low, but I'm starting to get a little bit better of equipment, and I'm, I'm just liking the way and how accessible everything is. Probably the one of the best things I can compare this to is probably Elder Scrolls Skyrim. And I think the way I'm approaching The Witcher 3 a little differently than I did Skyrim. Skyrim, I would... I, I, in Skyrim, when I played it, I was really against using fast travel. For some reason, I wanted to basically get on my horse and basically ride my horse everywhere. And I think in the long run, that really hurt me as I really couldn't get anything done in Skyrim because I was kind of like a squirrel running through the yard or kind of like the dog in the house when a squirrel was running out in the yard and I was like running to the window and be like, squirrel! And anytime I would see something within Skyrim. I would have to stop if there was a cave. I would have to explore it. And I, I just never was able to complete any one particular quest to its fullest extent normally because I was kind of just getting sidetracked with the abundance of stuff that's there. And I'm trying to approach The Witcher 3 differently so I don't make that same mistake to where I kind of just get completely burnt out and just, I'm not finishing it. I got 50 million quests. Even though I'm, I'm starting to accumulate a good number of quests in The Witcher 3, I'm trying to use fast travel to my advantage. Once I've gone someplace, I don't mind fast traveling back to that place or to a different location I've been to to help speed it up a little bit so I'm not doing so much of the squirrel dog thing and just going around and aimlessly running around and I'm actually completing quests and advancing the story. And I will say I thought the story was pretty good in Skyrim but the story is spectacular in The Witcher 3. So far I'm really enjoying it. I've talked to a couple of people who have played 1 and 2. I've heard 2 is possibly one of the better Witcher games out there, possibly even better than 3. I really wish I would have started with one, but I just don't know if I have the time to really sit down and play through all three Witchers and spend 300 plus hours on these games because there's so many other things I want to play. So I'm just going to try to concentrate on Witcher 3 and if I have time, maybe go back and play the other two. We'll see how that goes. Don't know if we'll ever get to it, but that's going to be about it for The Witcher 3. Let's jump over to what I want to play now. I've been reading the rules to A Study in Emerald. This game sounds very, very interesting. I really wasn't too sure what type of game A Study in Emerald was before I purchased it. I knew it was based on a short story by Neil Gaiman. I had heard that it was actually supposed to be a pretty good game. Once I started reading through the rules, kind of figured out it's kind of like a little bit of a deck builder. That really surprised me. I wasn't expecting that to be the main mechanic of the game, but I'll take that. That sounds pretty good. I'm hoping to actually get this one to the table the next time I hit my local game store to see how this one is. I know there were a couple of people who are wanting to play this one as well. One of the other games that has kind of interested me lately is a game that's on Kickstarter, and that's a game called Tiny Epic Western. It's one of the Tiny Epic games, and I've watched a couple of videos on this now. I was watching Rado's run-through on this one, and it looks really interesting. I haven't tried playing this one yet, uh, well, considering it's not out yet. I haven't been to any conventions or actually done the print-and-play yet. But this Tiny Epic game looks like it'll be really cool, and I really want to see this one um, get to the table. And I have a feeling both my wife and I would really enjoy this one, since both of us are rather kind of big poker fans. We really like that. So that are th those are a couple of the games that I want to play now. I'd like to thank everybody for joining me 
in episode 100. Like I said, this definitely isn't what I had planned for episode 100. I did have some bigger plans, but with everything currently going on right now at home, I just wasn't able to pull those off. So hopefully as I get well into the hundreds here, I'm going to be able to get a couple more interviews under my belt and get a couple more people on the podcast that I'm kind of that I've kind of been wanting to interview. I'm going to start sending out some emails, seeing if a couple of people will join me here for a little bit of chatting. I'm also going to see if, like I said, I can get my wife on here to talk a little bit about her gaming, basically our gaming together as a couple, and and just continue to play games and enjoy all the games that I play. And and even, even some of the bad games, I will say, I, I do enjoy because I just enjoy gaming in general. So even if something doesn't make my top list, it's still a decent game or good game in my eyes because I just like gaming. So, hey, thanks for joining me in episode 100, everybody. As always, don't forget, send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. Send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. If there's something you'd like to hear on the podcast, something you'd like to discuss, post it on the Guild and Board Game Geek or send me an email on Board Game Geek. For the guild, just do a search for what I'm playing now. On Twitter, you can follow me there at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. You can follow me on Facebook. I usually post some stories on there, and usually when I'm posting the podcast, it'll hit there the day after I post it on Google Plus. I post there as well. It's plus.google.com slash the plus sign what I'm playing now podcast. And then of course our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey everybody, thank you for joining me. These past 100 episodes have been a blast to do and to just create and put together and i'm hoping that i can just continue doing this maybe for another hundred or a couple more hundred who knows so hey everybody thanks for joining me hopefully i can get back next week with another podcast and some more games played but until then go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now have a great week everybody and we'll talk to you later bye bye